0: I'll be reading from, uh, book of John, chapter 20, verses 14 through 23. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God, your God. Mary of Magdala went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the lord again jesus said peace be with you as the father has sent me and i am sending you and with that he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit if you forgive anyone his sins they are forgiven if you if you do not forgive them they are not forgiven
1: by the way this is stand up here who arranged for the scripture now stand up here who arranged for the scripture reading where I follow this tall, blonde guy that looks like a Greek god? I want to see somebody. Yeah. <laughs> no. I told you no
0: one taller than I
1: am. Let me just, while I'm goofing off, let me let me have a few opening remarks here. Um, we took quite a little bit of time to honor mothers uh, last year. I couldn't figure out what we did last year, so I went home and asked. Asked my family. And my kids reminded me that not only did we not really take any time to honor mothers last year, but I preached on hell. <laughs> so we're trying to make up for it. Thank you for your patience in getting in here this morning. I, I did run uh, a few minutes late uh, in the first service, and, uh, and I know it took an extra measure of patience. And I hope by now... Your spirit is calmed enough that you're ready to receive what God has for you this morning. Let me also say that uh, I am going to get back on track here to my original goal of preaching about the purpose for our lives this year. You know, in 1992, that's where we are on the 10-year journey, to discover the purpose for which God made us. And I wanted to start out uh, talking about relationships because unless purpose is put in the context of relationships, it just becomes a... A work ethic, a task kind of thing. But as is like me, I kind of got fascinated and ran off into rabbit trails. And, and, uh, and I realized uh, we got some of the rabbits, but I still need to get back uh, on board. So starting next week, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to open up the series of Eden was no accident. I believe that there's not one purpose for our lives, but there are five areas of purpose in life. And I would like for you to come for the next five weeks and And find out what those are, and then we'll go from there. Now, for the last and concluding, believe it or not, message on resurrected relationships. Uh, For those of you who have not been here, uh, we have been talking about how to maintain a relationship with the same person by allowing the form of that relationship to change. Because Mary found herself in the resurrection of Jesus seeing a very different person. Something distinctly and radically different had happened. And she could not love him as she had always loved him. And Jesus said, Mary, stop clinging to me in my present form. I'm changing. And so therefore our relationship and the form of our relationship is going to have to change also. And my question to you was, and still is, are you having relationships that are changing so radically that the old form won't do it anymore. As a matter of fact, if you cling to the old form, you're going to lose the relationship. Does the form of the relationship need to change and change radically? Because if it does, there are a couple of things you're going to have to take into consideration. Two Sundays ago, I talked about holding loosely to the form of the relationship you now have. Kind of like a, a water skier. You know, When you go down, you better let go of the rope because there's no way you're going to get up from that fall and take the same ride. No, all you can do is set many times and wait for that rope to come around again and try for a new ride. And it's very important in the midst of this change not to react in a normal fashion, which is to withdraw, but to continue to deposit yourself in the life of that person no matter what's going to happen. Just as Jesus said, come closer. Let me breathe on you, let me give to you who I am, the Holy Spirit. So therefore, to maintain the relationship, before you ever know what the form's gonna change or going to turn out to be, you've got to continue to contribute yourself in that relationship. Then last week we talked about dying to the old relationship. We talked about what covenant meant. Um, as we sang this morning, did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. There is a point at which you say, I can't do this anymore. I'm quitting. Not I'm quitting the person. I'm quitting my own efforts at trying to control this relationship. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. That's the answer right there. I'm giving this to God. So the covenant change in a relationship is to die to that old form. And that's a tough thing to do. Now, this week I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. If you would read <clears throat> with me, concentrate on verses 19 through 23. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the, Jew, where the where the disciples were, now catch this, they're hiding here. For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, He showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. They were so tickled. They're in this little room. They're hiding, trying to get no one to find them. And then Jesus comes in. He's found them. And now he's going to love on them. See? And they're so tickled. Jesus, let's just stay here forever. What are the first words he says to them? He says again, Jesus therefore said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. First point of the Holy Spirit in a relationship is this message. God does not give us a relationship so that we only can become closer to one another. So that we only can concentrate on one another. So that we can only be loved by another person. God gives us a relationship so that we can go in a direction together and grow closer in our going. I send you. Now that's not good news for a lot of us. You know why? Because a lot of us would like to spend the rest of our lives just being loved being found and being loved and being cuddled and having somebody uh, pouring their attention on us and us pouring our attention on them. That's a wonderful little vision, see? And we've had it since we were kids, you know? It's just having somebody, uh, having everybody. Wouldn't it be fine if the whole world were centered on our lives? You mothers know that. I heard a cute story this week, uh, made the rounds. Marcus uh, told uh, uh, T. Tommy, the drummer, and Tom told me, and so here it is. Salesman calls up a house. And this little voice answers. You know how sometimes when you call a house, the, the phone doesn't even seem to ring. Somebody just answers. And that's what happened. Phone just, little voice answers, hello. The salesman says, well, hi, Sonny. Is your dad there? He said, yeah, he's here. Could I speak with him? He's busy. Well, how about your mom? Is she there? Yeah. Could I speak with her? She's busy well is there any persistent salesman is there anybody else any other adults in the house yeah there's a fireman here a fireman yeah well can I speak with him he's busy (laughs) now this guy's really curious he says are there any other adults in the house yeah there's there's a policeman here can I speak with him Finally, he can't stand it. Would you mind telling me what everybody is busy doing? Looking for me. Yeah. yeah. See, there's a little burgerhead kid in us that all our lives wants people to look for us and find us. You know? We want to be the center of attention. But God says, no, that's not a resurrected relationship. A resurrected relationship is that you are going to be sent, and you're going to be sent together, and the attention is not going to be on you. However, you can grow close to each other while you are being sent. Who were the absolute closest people to Jesus? Wasn't the people who heaped the most attention on Him? As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 35, Jesus' blood, mother and brothers and sisters, come out looking for him. And they can't get access to him. Jesus explains, because the closest people to him are the people who are doing the Father's will. Those are his most intimate friends. For whoever does the will of God, he is my, mother, my brother and my sister and my mother. So the Holy Spirit intimacy goes outward together, does not involve itself in the emotional cannibalism of saying to someone, you have to supply my needs. You have to give me all of your attention. By the way, this Wednesday, if you're interested, I'm going to be talking about Having a relationship with God that can get your needs met with Him instead of totally depending on other people who will not answer those needs, uh, by the way. I have a very respected friend, a Christian counselor, who said, Hunter, you got to realize that's a quantum leap. And I do. I realize it's a quantum leap. But guess who does the leaping? God does the leaping. So, that's an aside. This is how I get off track here. Second... Look at what it says. I love this scripture. Look at what it says. It says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to see what's happening here. We have talked about this in the way that it's the Holy Spirit, a part of the living Christ that goes in. He is He is giving himself to them. But I want you to see even more than that. The sister verse to this scripture is in the Old Testament, Genesis 2-7, where it says that God breathed the breath of life into man and he became a living soul. The Hebrew is ruch, breath, spirit. And in the Greek, it's pneuma, spirit, breath. It's wind. I want you to see that when Jesus gives the Holy Spirit, To these people in their relationships, it is a radically new life. It's not the improvement of the old life. It's not the old life getting better and better. It is a radically new life. It's no less new than when man first began at the beginning of creation. The Nicene Creed says this. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. What does that mean, giver of life? It means that something is radically different when you let the Holy Spirit have your relationships. And have you in your relationships. Something is brand new. There has been a conversion, not an improvement, a conversion. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, If any man be in Christ, read any one, He is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away, the new has come. Something radically new. In John 3, uh, chapter 6, Christ says to Nicodemus, What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. You know what? Many of the relationships we have fall apart because we keep trying to improve them. Instead of letting them get converted into something totally and radically new. 1833, Charles Darwin was doing his research and forming his theory about evolution. He happened, he was a world traveler, happened on an island in the South Pacific. These, I can't remember the names of these islands, something reminded me about the Cook Islands, but there's a group of islands out there that were inhabited by cannibals. When Darwin went on this island, he saw these people so savage, so primitive, so animal-like, that it occurred to him he might have found something close to the missing link. He left. And as all brilliant scientists do, he got caught up in the process of developing that theory. Did not come back to that island for 30 years. 30 years later, he comes back to the same island, walks on the island. The people are living in houses. There are schools and there are churches. He wants to know what happened. And he hears the story that soon after he left, a missionary by the name of John Payton came on that island and started talking about Jesus Christ. A whole new people happened. Darwin was so impressed that when he went back to London, he gave a healthy contribution to the London Missionary Society. And he threw his hopes of a missing link out the window. What happened there? What happened was conversion, not improvement. You don't improve a cannibal. You don't improve a cannibal. Listen to me. When you're dealing with a cannibal and you try for improvement, what you get is a better cannibal. A more effective cannibal. No, that was not what was needed. A whole new life was needed. Listen, in your relationships... When those patterns happen again and again and again, are you just trying to improve the patterns? Because you can improve the patterns. You can make them more sophisticated. You can make them more efficient. But they're still the same patterns. And all they'll do is getting be getting better at being the same thing, not changing. If you have a problem with lying in your relationship, you can improve you can make it not so pronounced, not so offensive. But you still got a liar. If you have a problem with selfishness, if you have a problem with addiction, if you have a problem with anything, you can improve that relationship. But you know what? It just covers up what's wrong. No. There comes a time when it's got to be converted. Now, some of you have parts of your relationships you just like to improve. And they're okay and they're really good. You want to work on them and you want to make them better and that's great. But there are some of you who know that you can go as long as from here until Christ comes again. And if you improve what you got, you still aren't going to have anything. And it needs converted. Therefore, it's the Holy Spirit that gives new life is what you need. Let me go on to the next, next thing. Um, um, read with me. If you forgive the sins of any, it says, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. (sighs) If you can not only submit the relationship you have for conversion, because see, if you want to improve it, the improvement comes after the conversion, not before if you can submit that for conversion, then the rest of the relationship has an agenda. And you know what the agenda is? The agenda is not to see what the relationship will become, but to see what the relationship was meant for. What was the purpose of the relationship? What did God want to do in the relationship What was his idea of putting you together in the first place? Look at Jeremiah 18 with me. Jeremiah 18. I'm going to read the first nine verses. I love this this scripture. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. There I shall announce my words to you and I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something on the wheel but the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter so he remade it into look at this word another vessel didn't say he patched it didn't say he molded it said he made it a completely other vessel and the word vessel here is very important too The word vessel is that which can contain other than itself. When God makes a relationship, he makes it so that it can contain other than itself. God uses us to pour into us his will and his purposes. Now look at what it says. As it pleased the potter to make. The shape of the vessel, the use of the vessel... Is not in in our dream. Ever since I was a little boy, this is what I dreamed a marriage would be. Therefore, if I pray hard enough, God will give me that marriage. Look, at, you know what? It's God's purposes that are designed in the vessel. He's the one who should be pleased or displeased by the use of the vessel. Therefore, God will make the vessel as it pleases Him. And that's good news if you can get used to it. Now, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot it and pull it down or to destroy it. And then look at verse 9. Another moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build it up or to plant it. Listen. When you get in your mind that your relationships have been made for a purpose, you know what happens? All of the pride and all of the selfishness and all of the I've got to be the center of this thing tends to wane away. Because now... The agenda isn't each other so much as it is what is true. What did God mean for us? What is the objective reality? A couple of weeks ago a guy came up to me after a message. And I can I can tell you this one because most of us could fit in this category. He came up and said, Hunter, I got a real problem. I said, Well, what is it? He said, My wife has come to the place in our marriage where she doesn't believe a word I say. I looked at him and said, so what's your problem? He looked at me for a long time thinking, okay, now i got two problems. <laughs> my wife doesn't believe me and my preacher's an idiot. Here's what I meant. If you're concerned only with what is true, if you're not concerned with pride, if you're not concerned with instant credibility. If you're not concerned with what others think of you apart from what is, uh, from what is true, what is the problem? All you got to do is wait to see whether or not you're right. If you're really concerned about the objective reality, all you got to do is wait. If you're right enough times, maybe your credibility will get beat up or get built up get beat up too. If you aren't right, then God gave you a good woman there. You better listen to her. You know what? When there's a disagreement in our household, it's not pleasant, but it's not personal. It's not personal. When Becky and I aren't reading the situation in the same way, sometimes she defers to me because i got a better track record in that particular area. Sometimes I defer to her because she's got a better track record in that particular area. If there's an impasse, she'll say, okay, go ahead. You know, we'll do it your way. You know, probably thinking in the back of your mind, sucker, you're wrong. We're going to see. But, it's not personal. It's not personal. Because eventually, we find out what was right and what was wrong. It's got, there's no room in there for bitterness and for pride. Because we're just looking for the truth. If... Your relationships are based upon what God wants, are based upon what God's truth is. Quit getting mad about disagreeing. Just read it by the light that you have and wait. When Christ said, if you forgive the sins of any, they shall be forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they shall be retained. In the Greek, it's much more clear than in the English. It means you are calling what God has already done. And you're just able to see it accurately. It doesn't mean it's your responsibility to decide what's right and what's wrong. Oh man, I see Christians going around. Oh, they are so burdened because they can't figure out what's right and what's wrong. And it's their job to declare to other people, you know, these, these finally, theologically hair splitting answers. And they just don't know if they're, well, look, do the best you can, wait. And you'll find out what it is. Declare what you believe God to be saying and then wait to see if you're right. There's no burden in that. There's nothing personal in that. And you know what you're going to find? When you look for what God is doing instead of for what you have decided, there is a whole wellspring of God's activity that begins to become evident to you. Let me go one more place in Scripture, and then we'll close. Turn to Genesis chapter 21. This is the Scripture about Abraham needing to let Hagar and Ishmael go. Now, you will remember that God promised Abraham and Sarah a son. You will also remember that their faith wasn't to the place where they could keep themselves from running ahead of him. She sent in her maidservant, Hagar. He conceived a son with this woman. And then God said, look, I told you I was going to give a son, give you a son. And she, they, they, he gave her a son, Isaac. Now, of course, it comes to the place where Hagar and Sarah are locking horns and the boys are fighting and... and So Sarah goes to Abraham, says, this woman's got to go. And God said, sure enough, I'm going to put my line through Isaac. Now, I want you to see the pain in Abraham's life of the consequence of having to give up and pay for. Not just pay for uh, uh, in terms of pain, but in, in terms of regret. He probably loved this woman and he certainly loved the son that was his. But he had to go to her and had to send her out in the wilderness. Now look at this scene. Look at verse, what is it, 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. And putting them on her shoulder. I want you to see this. This. There's a man who is looking at a woman who's going to be sent into the wilderness. Absolutely no resources out there. And he is putting on her shoulder this bag with this water and this bread. And here is the clincher. And gave her the boy. He carried his own son, Ishmael, out to the edge of that camp. Said goodbye. And handed that boy over to that woman. However, there is hope for all you single mothers. Watch. He sent her away and she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. you feel like you're wandering in a wilderness many times. And the water in the skin was used up. And she left the boy under one of the bushes. And then she went and sat down opposite him about a bow shot away. Now, <laughs> Sometimes you get the wrong picture of this. You're just reading along. You feel like she's just going a few feet because it says opposite him. Do you know how far a bow can shoot? About a bow shot away. We're talking half a mile. Mile away. She could not stand to hear the crying of this little boy. And the Bible says, For she said, Do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept and God heard the lad crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her what is the matter with you Hagar do not fear for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is arise and lift up the lad and hold him by the hand for I will make a great nation of him and then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water we're going to come back to this and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew, and he lived in the wilderness, and he became an archer. Now, this kind of tickles me. Uh, you realize, of course, this is the beginning of the Arab nations. Ishmael is the beginning of the Arab nations. He becomes an archer. You know, she set a bow shot away. He becomes an archer. Isaac means he who laughs. Isaac became a salesman. (laughs) An archer and a salesman together are not going to get along. The Arab nations to this day have that warrior mentality. The Jewish nation has the salesman mentality. So it started back very, very early. And the territory does not promise a lot of peace here. I don't care what talks go on. There's just something in the nature. Okay, come with me again here. God was with the lad and he grew and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer and he lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. And here's what I want you to see. What man could give that woman was a skin of water that was exhaustible. What God could give that woman was a well of water that was not exhaustible, that could support an entire family, an entire nation. When you look at your relationship, you say to yourself, there's only so much I can give to this. I have not got anything else in here. And you're seeing that relationship from the standpoint of when this goes, it dies. But God's got another plan. God wants to open your eyes to what He's doing because He has built that relationship for a purpose. And when you see what God is doing with the relationship, there are inexhaustible resources and possibilities for it, but only through the Holy Spirit. Last night, uh, the Sunrise players did a play here, and uh, it was it was neat. Um, and I like I like it when they do plays. I mean, it's kind of a small town feeling, you know. It's not professional acting. It's just it's neat. It was neat. And I, and I came, and I didn't want to come very bad because I was real tired, but. I was saying to myself all the normal stuff a preacher says. Look, they come to hear you on Sunday morning. You can't go out and hear them once a year. Yeah, go and sit in the audience. See how it feels. So I did. And it was wonderful. And it was, there are a lot of parts that were cute and a lot of parts that were entertaining. It wasn't real deep theology. And so I just took it for what it was to me. Just a night of a church family getting together and, and uh, contributing to a ministry. And and certainly it would benefit them by working together and benefit those of us who heard it simply from a night's uh, uh, hearing or entertainment and so on and so forth. So the thing was over. I got up, you know, talked to a few folks, started heading out. There's this girl that comes up beside me. She said, Can I talk with you for a minute? I said, Sure. She said, Well, let's go out here. So we go out, and she said, Something happened to me in there tonight. And I... I, th- I started thinking are we were we in the same play you know i mean it was just it was just a play she said something happened to me tonight and then she started shaking a little bit she said you know I've got all these friends that talk about being saved and and I don't know what that is is that really necessary that somebody's saved and i said yeah it really is she said well how do you do it so i pulled her over to scriptures and i just opened it up and we talked about acknowledging that you are a sinner, that nobody's good enough to go to heaven, believing that Christ died for you and that his death was adequate to pay for all of your sins and confessing him as Savior, living it out as easy as A, B, C. Acknowledgement, belief, and confession. That's how easy. I said, is that what you think is happening inside of you? You want to do that? just start crying. I mean, these... I mean, it were tears, it was like tears all over the face, you know, start crying. And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, that's okay. Just think about what I've told you tonight. And you can do this anytime in the privacy of your room, in the privacy of your heart. Whenever you sense this is what God wants you to do and you're clear about that, then I want you to do that. So I want you to pray for her that she would come to know God. But here's the point. I saw a play. She saw the Lord. What's the difference? Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit moves. It's not that I haven't got the Holy Spirit. It's just He was ready for her. That play was not put on for the people that were in it. It wasn't put on for me. It was put on for that girl. God saw her coming. God knew she was going to be here. Why did God make your relationship? Probably wasn't for you. <laughs> can I say that? Wasn't all for you. It's for what he wants to do. And you never can know what he's doing until you pray that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to what God's agenda is for your resurrected relationship. Pray with me now. Lord God, some of us have good relationships and we love them and we want to improve them in the natural realm because that skin of water is important even when the Holy Spirit comes we need to put it in a skin because our human side is important and if we were just to stand and drink out of the Holy Spirit it would be like getting a drink out of a fire hydrant we couldn't do it without getting knocked over but the skin runs dry So we ask you, Lord God, to tell us when we need a brand new relationship and when we can just improve the one we've got. But even beyond that, Lord God, give us the eyes to see what the Holy Spirit is doing in our relationships and why he has brought us together with people in order to do the will of God. Help us to see that so that we can make full use of them for you and enjoy them forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand? I talked late again. I'm sorry. Let me, uh, we're going to sing. <laughs> this is a dangerous thing. If I can hit a note that anybody can recognize, we're going to sing the doxology. While we're doing this, you can put up the chairs in back so that we don't get uh, flooded uh and people can get out the doors. But I don't know I don't know how, how many of you came out of a church who knew what the doxology was. You ever sing a doxology? Good, there's enough of us. The rest of you can learn it on the way. You ready? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures, hear the
0: Lord.
1: Praise Him, above ye, heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Okay, come on now, you Methodists. Amen.
0: <laughs> Go in peace.